0: Welcome to The Interesting Podcast, episode number 51. The first one on the other side of 50, ladies and gentlemen. This episode is Mallory Conlin, and she is amazing. She's an astronomer. Let that sink in. Yes, she is an astronomer, okay? And I love having educators on my show because I learned so much, and this episode was no different. I learned a ton, and I'm sure you guys are as well. Um, we talk about different types of telescopes, how she first got into astronomy, um, exoplanets, uh, different accents. We talk about uh, the difference between facts and theories. Uh, all Dude, all kinds of stuff. And you can't have an astronomer on and not talk about Pluto. Have you ever wondered why Pluto is no longer a planet? Well, we find out here. Um, unless you're in Illinois. You'll know what that means soon. Uh, yeah, so she's great. She's also the host of a podcast called The Avatar State Pod. And anyone who knows me knows I'm a massive Avatar: The Last Airbender fan. It's actually in my theme song, which you're about to hear. Um, but we talk about that show, all kinds of really cool stuff. Mallory is great, um, and you guys, you guys, I'm so excited to have this show released because I've been sitting on it for a while, having banked all these episodes. Um, you know, you, you bank them up and then you have to release them, and that is why uh, it's fitting that Mallory is going to be the last episode in. Uh, March, which was the double release month that I've been doing. Um, Yeah, so it just, it came full circle. You know, I'm so glad to have this one out there. I'm so glad Mallory took the time to talk to me and teach me things that I had no idea about. Uh, So without further ado, I've talked enough. Let's go learn about some space and stuff. That was an unintentional rhyme. What? I'm into it. Anyway, please enjoy the interesting podcast, episode number 51 with Mallory Conlon. Theme song time.
1: how's it going
0: it is going very well it's going very well how are you doing
1: wonderful very good happy that I could make it work so quickly after you asked me to do this
0: yeah yeah thank you for that no prob Uh, just checking some levels really quick
1: yeah no prob let me know if my mic is okay or if it sounds grubby.
0: it sounds great can you hear me all right
1: yeah you sound good
0: cool cool that is a phase one complete
1: Good, excellent. Yeah, I on had, our way. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right. I had. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say which guest, but uh, at the time that this goes up, it will have been a while ago. But mm-hmm. I, I was skyping full on, uh, like with video and everything, and it was going great. But then I realized that the recorder that I have only records audio from audio calls, so it doesn't oh, record. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, the first like 15 minutes, it didn't record because we were actually talking so I was like hold on let me let me turn the let me turn the uh, the video off and then it started sure. recording their side
1: I was oh like, this no is the worst you <laughs> think
0: 40 episodes in I'd have learned how to do this
1: <laughs> every once in a while you learn new things and sometimes yes. it's the hard way
0: <laughs> um, it's always the hard way in, yeah. in my experience but uh, yeah so <laughs> so you're an hour behind me correct
1: I'm in Central Time, not Connecticut, so ah. I believe then I am an hour behind you yes. if you're on the East Coast. Okay. Yes,
0: I'm in Florida.
1: <laughs> cool.
0: Yeah, so it's 9.30 where I'm at.
1: Very nice, very
0: nice. So you were 8.30 where you are. I can tell you an hour into the future. It's not bad. It's not bad. It,
1: the world still exists?
0: Yeah, I mean... I can't speak for where you are, but uh okay. <laughs> Florida, <laughs> Florida's,
1: <today. laughs> Florida's there somehow, some way they made it into right. nine thirty-three. Yes, PM. <laughs> somehow
0: against our everything that we've tried, it's uh, we're still around. There uh, you go. Whereabouts are you located? What state?
1: So I'm in Madison, Wisconsin.
0: That explains the accent. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> So
1: that's something that everybody talks to me about when they first hear my voice. They're like, oh, where are you from? So I am from the Midwest. I'm actually from the Chicago area in Illinois, just displaced in Madison, Wisconsin. So for some reason, my my voice just uh, has that extra Midwest twang to it that everybody seems to notice. That's really funny.
0: (laughs) It's, It's the A's it's it is it's
1: the a's Eh, eh, eh. yeah can't help it i was just well i wasn't born this way but i was (laughs) raised this way
0: (laughs) sure i i north carolina we don't enunciate so i'm i'm from there and every now and then like when i get when i get really into things the accent will come out or every time i go home and talk to family for any amount of time it just sinks in yeah i don't normally talk like that but, uh, but I guess it just I do. comes
1: out. No, that totally happens to me too. So see, this is like the, the tame version yeah. of my voice because <laughs> I'm just, I'm talking to somebody who is not from where my voice is from. But yeah. when I'm around my family, I get about 10 decibels higher and uh, oh, yes. or louder, I should say. And yeah, those sure. days come out loud. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. I think accents yeah. are awesome.
1: They are very interesting, especially, I mean, the United States is big, but yeah. you go in any direction and people sound different from you, and it's very cool to hear.
0: It really is. I I mean, I talk about it almost on every show now just because I'm obsessed with it, but I was in Ireland uh, mm. a couple years ago now, and just that tiny little island, there are vastly different accents. Like, just yeah. driving three three hours north from Dublin to Belfast, totally different accents,
1: It's amazing, isn't it? It I actually went on my honeymoon to. We spent two weeks in the UK, so we were in England, Ireland, and Scotland. Uh, We only were in Dublin, and I can say that I understood everybody in Dublin, so that was okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, And and we stayed in Salisbury in England. That was also okay. But we went to this tiny island uh, off of Scotland called Isla. I don't know if you are a whiskey connoisseur. I'm not, but my husband is. So we went to the island, I don't know if you like Parks and Rec either, where Ron Swanson goes to have his whiskey adventure. So we were on that island, and that's where we spent about five days of our honeymoon. And I understood 5% of the people (laughs) there. And it's like, I know you're speaking the same language as me, but there's such such a barrier in being able to understand. And it's not just the the lingo that they use or any sort of different phrases. It's just that accent. I could not understand.
0: It's yeah, rough. It's... It is rough. It's, it's same. In, there's a, there's a fishing village uh, called Port McGee. It's in the Southwest corner of Ireland. It's actually where you take the boat to Skellig Michael. Oh, and, cool. And there I couldn't understand a word they were saying at all. I went to a pub and like sat there okay. and eavesdropped on conversations it didn't matter because I couldn't understand any of it. I was like, <laughs> and I it, will pick this up. I didn't. I didn't know. Yep. all.
1: <laughs> and it goes both ways, too, because there was a restaurant that we were at and I ordered like a cheeseburger or something super basic. And they just looked at me and smiled, didn't yep. understand a <laughs> word I said. I was like, this is so bizarre. We are speaking the same language, but we had to speak so much slower to be able to understand yeah it's it's funny (laughs) it is it
0: is hilarious when you go other places and they i mean it sounds weird um so i don't mean it the way it's going to come out but it's weird when they can't understand us because it's like (laughs) oh you know it's just we're just speaking regularly where the same thing happened i I took my parents with me uh on the trip that we went on and my mother same thing she went to order something and she's like "I, I, i what <laughs> you just asked for some chips, which is fr- French fries over there, and you're like, yep. what? But you understand, and it's just—it's so funny. Accents are so funny.
1: It's classic, and it all started with my little Midwest twang. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. Hey, it works. It works. There you it, go. It's a little bit of flavor. Yeah. So there. You said you were born in not Illinois, in Illinois, yes. but you not were... in
1: Wisconsin. Huh.
0: Do you, so, what, at what age did you move?
1: To Wisconsin? I yeah. moved here two months ago, or three months ago. <laughs> what? Yeah, so for I real? was in, yeah, seriously. So I was in Illinois for all my life, and I went to the University of Illinois, wow. uh, lived, lived there for about eight years, and then we just said we'd like to have a little change, so both of us, my husband and I work from home, so we have a lot of flexibility about where we can live, yeah, which is awesome. Not many people get to do that, and we said we want to live in Madison, so we did it, and here we are for two months wow. now
0: <laughs> two months that is yep. amazing. I thought it would have been the other way around, like you were born in Madison lived a lot of your life in illinois and then went back to madison but you're like wow first time madison just a few months ago and the accent so the accent is that infectious
1: it's that well i would say (laughs) the accent is midwestern not necessarily just northern midwestern
0: (laughs) i mean i've seen fargo
1: Oh yeah, and that's a uh, that's minnes like a Minnesota sounding accent. Yeah. So that's... that's even further north from me. I'm not that dramatic. Yeah, that Brian. one's. All... <laughs> I
0: know. I mean, it's only been two months, so I mean, we don't have right. a... we don't have enough data here to really tell if it's gonna be. I'll I'll have you back on in a year, and we'll... there and then
1: see what I sound like, <laughs> and if I sound the same, then we'll know.
0: Yeah, we'll that see.
1: It's... That I'll be okay. <laughs> That's right.
0: <Yeah. laughs> You'll come on. he Marge. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Abort. Abort. <laughs> so uh, what have you, what have you learned about Madison since getting up there? Is cheese that big a deal?
1: Cheese is a big deal, and it should be because it's delicious up here. Fact. I don't know about – even in Illinois, like cheese isn't really – you like it, but it's not a thing. And mm-hmm. when you go to a grocery store up here and you go into that cheese aisle – They have a tiny little section for like Kraft and Sargento. Mm -hmm. But then this huge chunk of it, it's like the biggest aisle in the whole store is the fanciest cheeses you'll ever see. And it's amazing. So the cheese is really good. The curds, cheese curds. I don't know if you've had those before.
0: I have. Cheese curds are amazing.
1: And they're even better here.
0: Really? Well, take pride in your work
1: yep so that's really my two month home, and it has the best cheese curds,
0: so not that's bad. really
1: good. So if you have me on your show again in a year, you should also see if I now weigh ten thousand pounds yeah. <laughs> from only eating cheese and also the beer's very good here really? so we've yes, we've really enjoyed going to all the bars and not just the bars, but they also have a lot of breweries here what
0: this place too. sounds amazing
1: It sounds magical, and there's also lakes. So you can go kayaking and hiking what? around those lakes. Yep. See, that's why I chose to move here because you know it's awesome.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Did you – okay, do you, do you own a cheesehead hat?
1: Because no. And
0: What are you doing, I Mallory?
1: I will not – well, first of all, I don't really care about football <gasps> at all.
0: Oh, it's for Sorry. football?
1: <laughs> cheese, yeah, right? They wear cheeseheads when they go to Packers games, oh, right? Oh,
0: I thought they just wear cheeseheads.
1: No, they don't just walk around. <laughs> I would. Well, then you can do that whenever you decide to move to yeah. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. That can be your prerogative Lose to do all that. all
0: respect of everyone immediately.
1: <laughs> Even in Wisconsin, they don't just walk around with their cheese heads on. I'm pretty sure it's only for Packers games that, makes, that they that do makes that. That makes
0: a lot of sense.
1: <laughs> so, no, I don't own a cheese head, and I don't care about football very much. But if I did, I Ditto. would still have to stick. With the Chicago Bears because that's where I grew up. So that's,
0: yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I uh I've been to Chicago. I it's have, a nice city. It's it's a city.
1: <laughs> it is a city. I agree. I feel that way about cities myself. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Growing up in like a rural area and like farm places, and then even Naples where where I live is not like what it is now. But just in the last like five six years, has gone very very city and it's suffocating Mm. but i i went to chicago uh my brother was getting married in uh, i'm forgetting the name of it decatur
1: oh okay that's far farther south that's like by champagne yes
0: (laughs) it's far um but i was like if we fly into chicago i can see the bean and it's like on my bucket list to see the bean uh well little did i know it's near impossible to find parking anywhere in chicago near the bean and when you do find it it's 35 dollars. so i was like oh how bad do i want this <laughs> come to find out 35 dollars bad and yeah the bean's pretty cool the bean is pretty cool have you seen the, the bean? bean is
1: cool of course i've seen the bean i, mean, I have we to ask drive. dumb
0: questions at the top you know
1: it's not a dumb question but it's, it's a question yeah exactly. um, <laughs> no i've seen the bean many many times um The nice thing, I grew up in the suburbs, but you can always take a train down there. So Uh, I've been going there since before I could even drive. Um,
0: Right on. So, yeah,
1: we would go and see the Bean and go walk in that area, which is pretty cool. And I actually, uh, two summers ago, I spent uh, working at the Adler Planetarium down there. So I don't know if you've been to the museum campus of Chicago, but it's beautiful down there. They have um, so many, like the Shedd Aquarium, the Field Museum, uh, the sh- and the planetarium, which are all awesome to go see.
0: Sure, sure. So that's actually a a great segue. <laughs> you have a uh, a, would you say your interests include astronomy? Would that be a I correct would, sentence?
1: That would be a correct sentence, and it. You could even take it a step further that my career is in astronomy
0: yes (laughs) so like
1: what i do my what i do during the day is astronomy oh yeah
0: oh yeah no we'll get there we'll get there okay we're getting there we got to warm up we got to warm up yes but yes
1: i do have a big big interest in astronomy
0: when did that start
1: um that's a good question and i would say if (laughs) you must have practice at this i mean
0: a couple (laughs) a couple
1: just one or two yeah um
0: mostly myself but yeah
1: But yeah, it was actually interesting because my my parents moved uh, out of our childhood home about seven months ago. And while we were helping them pack up, we found a lot of my old childhood stuff. And one of the things in there included uh, my first telescope. So I got a telescope from my parents. I don't ever remember asking for it Mm -hmm. or necessarily being interested, but they just gave me one. Um, And so with that telescope, I heard on the news, oh, there's going to be a lunar eclipse. And so I stayed up all night watched a lunar eclipse for the first time and I think I was about eight years old or so. Um, So I would say I was probably about eight and it was because my parents took that leap and got me a telescope for whatever reason they just decided they were going to do that and it was a great thing because ever since then I always had just an appreciation for science and uh, when I was in high school I took my first physics class so that really got me into the mathematicals more uh, less. I'm looking at the stars and more. I'm trying to solve these problems side of astronomy, Sure. which was a big transition, but I loved them both. So it didn't take wow. long for me, and then I got to college, and here I am.
0: <laughs> so wait a minute. Am I understanding this correctly, that you took a physics class and were like, I'm into this?
1: Yeah, I was super into it. I loved it.
0: <laughs> That's amazing because it's, uh, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's probably rare.
1: <laughs> but not everybody loves physics.
0: The, but and, I'm glad yeah, there and are people I did. that do.
1: <laughs> Someone has to, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So it started with a telescope.
1: What? That is it amazing. Did. A telescope I didn't even ask for. And now...
0: Fake. I want all of them. <laughs> you, could, you could say the stars aligned.
1: You could. You <laughs> could say that, and it wouldn't be cliche at all. <laughs>
0: you, I, You'll learn that I only deal in cliches and puns. I can't help it. I, I hit dad mode at like eight. Uh, oh, we're really... well
1: into dad mode, then. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <great. laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I am a fully developed, non-child-having dad. Uh, so <laughs> a telescope. Okay. Do you still have it?
1: Uh, my parents, yeah, they still do have it. Oh, um, God. we put it in storage. Cause like I said, they just moved about six or seven months ago. So we found it and we kept it. So it's still there and we're not getting rid of it.
0: <laughs> cool. Do you still have a telescope?
1: I do, and it's much fancier now than that little one was. Yeah, my original one was what they call a refracting telescope, so it uses lenses in there, and it's kind of like what you imagine a pirate to look out of at sea, one of those long (laughs) telescopes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so now I have a fancier one, which is called a reflector, and believe it or not, it uses mirrors because it reflects stuff, right? That's how you remember.
0: So so
1: mirror telescopes are... Much nicer, and they produce nicer images, but they're heavier and bulkier. So I have a big old telescope that I don't use as much as I would like, but someday I will use it more.
0: Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, wow. I didn't know there were different kinds of telescopes, which is why I have people on my show that can there teach you go. me things. Okay, you learn
1: something new all the time.
0: Yeah, I try my best. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a guy who I think... His episode will have been released right before this one. And he raises tortoises. Oh. And he's amazing. And and I learned so much about tortoises. And then when I found out that you're an astronomer, I was like, oh, yes, please come on my show because I know nothing about <laughs> any of this. So, okay, there's mirrored telescopes. And you said reflector? Reflector?
1: Reflective? Well, those are the same thing. So mirrors what? and reflectors. Ooh, here we go. Right? Mirrors and
0: reflectors. That's how you reflectors. connect them. So,
1: reflector telescopes Mm -hmm. use mirrors. And then the original one that I had was a refractor, which uses lenses.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what are the benefits of both?
1: Benefits of both. So, like I was saying with the mirror telescopes, they produce just a lot cleaner of an image. Uh So, uh, you can see things that are a lot fainter using those because you can make the mirrors a lot bigger. Then you can oh, okay. the lenses um the smaller lens telescopes they're really good for like for kids basically right. um because you can hold them with your hands for the most part they're pretty light uh-huh. and they're portable and also they're pretty cheap so if it breaks you don't have to feel so bad about sure. that
0: sure okay so your small one that you had wasn't one of those like with a tripod and like aimed up or it was um, Paint you could picture. put it
1: you could put it on a tripod, mm-hmm. but it was light enough where you could also hold it with your hand. So it was pretty small. It probably like if you can imagine the diameter of the opening, it was probably like two inches or something like that. It was really small,
0: sure, sure. okay. And is there having never used a telescope before? Is... oh my
1: God, you need to go find your local astronomy club and you need to look through a telescope because it, Will change your life. Go in the winter when, or in the fall when Saturn's up. I'm telling you, what? it'll change your Saturn life. Saturn
0: is up in the fall.
1: I'm pretty sure what? it is.
0: <laughs> hey, anything you say during this talk, I'm taking as fact because I am completely—I have no idea.
1: There you go. I mean, I'm not the best at remembering when everything's in the sky, but I'm pretty sure you can see Saturn in the fall and in the winter.
0: That is insane. I did that like cereal box trick when the eclipse happened last oh, year oh
1: yeah wasn't that really cool
0: it it was except I I think I did it wrong <laughs> and I was like I okay I think I kind of see it and I took what a picture. what do you mean <laughs> well I was like I don't see the eclipse I was expecting like this apocalypse sort of blackout of the sun and then I took a picture of the outside of the box like pointed at my head and there were tiny little eclipses on the outside of the box I don't know. Mm. I don't know how that happened, but I was like, "Oh, wow!" I was looking in the wrong place. It was on the outside of the box, not on the (laughs) inside. Now
1: it makes sense. Wow,
0: so dumb. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, okay. So, what was the interesting? I'm like painting this picture. So, there are people that like are obsessed with fishing, and they have like a ton of different reels and like tackle boxes and stuff. Do you have like Mm -hmm. a bunch of different telescopes, or have you Uh, had a bunch?
1: I've used a bunch of telescopes, Mm -hmm. but. the nice ones are expensive. Of course. So I don't, I'm not like a telescope collector <laughs> or anything Prob- like that. Probably I ha- best. <laughs> yeah, I have I have one telescope. Uh, well, I guess I have two now that I know that I still have my original telescope. Yeah. But the one that is at my house is like, a, it's an eight inch. So it's got an eight inch diameter in the mirror and it's a reflector. Got it. So it's big. It's a big boy. It's like a cannon.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. I love when people have like uh, totems, essentially, uh, yeah. <laughs> things that put them on their path. Mm-hmm. The guy, I had Ryan Donahoe on uh, a while back. He's the host of The Force And he worked for ESPN for a while as a sports journalist. And he talked about when he was like, I don't know, five years old or so, really, really young. He had this uh, karaoke machine mm-hmm. and he would watch basketball games and then like interview his parents with this little karaoke machine. And then flash forward 15 years, he's working for ESPN interviewing LeBron James. Oh my and God. His parents still have that karaoke machine.
1: That's amazing. So, it <laughs> made me think
0: of this with they still have your first telescopes. And now you're like an astronomer.
1: That's right. pretty cool.
0: It's pretty cool. How does
1: cool. it happen? No one knows. I it's know. just destiny
0: that's right and i'm like way too sentimental for my own good so i'm like it's so beautiful
1: (laughs) it's so poetic yeah exactly (laughs) it just makes sense
0: (laughs) so uh what was it about that first telescope you're just looking up at space like what clicked what's going through your head do you're like oh stars but it was more than that do you remember yeah
1: it was that first lunar eclipse that i looked at so i used to i was i was a weird little kids so I would watch the nine o'clock news every night when I would go to bed Um, and one night they said there's going to be a lunar eclipse it's going to start at whatever 1 a.m and so I said oh mom can I stay up with my new telescope and can I look at it and she said sure go ahead and do it so I was just sitting in my room with the telescope set up looking at the at the moon Mm -hmm. and when it finally started you just start seeing even though it's a slow transition you see that transition of the moon starting to get darker and it was a total eclipse so you can actually at the peak of it see the moon turn red and seeing that through a telescope was just
0: it's just it
1: is awe-inspiring really because you don't really think much about the moon it's there it's up during the day it's up during the night it just right. does its thing. But when it eclipses, it's just, it. yeah, it's amazing to see.
0: Sure, sure. And that kind of eclipse, I we had one, what was it, maybe three years ago? Two, three years ago? It was like 3, 4 in the morning, and the whole thing turned red over the course of like, I don't know, maybe a half hour to an hour? Mm-hmm. And then went yeah. back to completely white? Right, I,
1: just a regular full moon. <laughs> yeah,
0: that blew my mind cuz I work nights, so I was out in it and I'm like, "What is going on?" It was crazy. So the the <laughs> Now, for those that do not know, what is the difference between a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse?
1: The difference between a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse. So, a solar eclipse is when the sun is eclipsed by the moon. Mm-hmm. And then a lunar eclipse is the opposite kind of so it's when the moon is eclipsed by the earth's shadow
0: right which one is more rare
1: um well i would say that's a good question it depends on what you mean by rare because both happen quite frequently Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of location so solar eclipses are a lot more rare to see like there was just that big one last year, and it was in it passed right through the Midwest and a lot of the continental United States, and that doesn't happen very frequently. Right. but lunar eclipses those happen uh, a lot more frequently in the United States. but you can so I don't really know how to answer that question. No, they're the, both That
0: sounded they, about it,
1: okay, yeah, those they're could... both really cool to see, but solar eclipses, I would say, are a lot harder. To spot, unless you're willing to travel to go sure. see them,
0: sure. It's a more specific trajectory. You have yep. to be directly in its path to see it. Mm-hmm.
1: That,
0: that makes sense. That 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 would make it. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm into that. There so, you go. So you you saw this thing, and then were you from there on? Were you like, I'm just going to keep looking at the stars, and just had a fascination with it, and then that grew into I want to be an astronomer, or like, because there's a the difference between being really, really into something, and then having that moment where you're like, I want to do this.
1: Yeah. So when I was a little kid, I think, well, I already said I used to love watching the news. I used to want to be a meteorologist.
0: So I
1: loved weather, and whenever there was like a thunderstorm coming or a tornado watch, I would always be watching the Weather Channel all the time. So for the longest time, I wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, And I had a I liked astronomy and I liked looking at the stars, but I wouldn't say I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to do astronomy or I'm going to teach people astronomy or do anything like that. Sure. Um, And then in high school, um, I don't really know if I necessarily wanted to be anything. But then I took that first physics class Mm -hmm. of mine and I really liked it. Um, And then I went on to take like the honors physics the next year to see if I was actually good at it. And at that point you're starting to think about, okay, I'm going to go to college. What am I going to apply for? What am I going to, what am I going to be? I'm 16 years old trying to figure it out. Nobody knows what they're (laughs) going to be when they're 16. So when I applied for college, I applied to be an aerospace engineer. Um, yeah, I'm, I, contrary, to I love bleeps. all of this <laughs> I yeah, I'm kind of smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell, <laughs> but yeah, so I got accepted to study aerospace engineering, and I hated it. I hated it <laughs> so much. It was not what i I don't really know what I was expecting, but it was not what I expected. Sure. Um, so Less I stuck aerospace, with that. More engineer. <laughs> I, yeah, it was a lot more engineering and like, let's talk about stress tensors and
0: things Ugh, like mat-
1: materials. Some people do, but not yeah. me. This was not for me. <laughs> sure. but, uh, but I decided uh, like for one of my elective classes, oh, I'll take this introductory astronomy course. And then I was just like, this is what I want to do. And, sure. you know, so going back and forth, back and forth. Do I minor in it, stick with aerospace, even though I hate it? Or do I do astronomy? And so I just did astronomy um, after I started my junior year <laughs> uh, as an wow. aerospace engineer. And then I ended it in astronomy. So it was, uh, it was a whirlwind of a year. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So you you made sure you didn't want to do aerospace engineering.
1: You oh <laughs> yeah, I I was really really sure <laughs> by the end of it, it was not for me.
0: <laughs> Man, okay. So what goes into as far as like classes goes uh, into getting into astronomy like that, like being an astronomer? What do you have to take to do that? What are the building yeah. blocks?
1: Yeah, so astronomy is basically applied physics, so you need to have a really strong background in physics. And also um, beyond that, just being able to do the calculations, you have to have an intuition for how things interact with each other. So a lot of astronomy is figuring out, um, like a big thing in astronomy right now is exoplanets. And your mm-hmm. ex- exoplanets, in case anybody doesn't know, are planets that are orbiting around stars that are not the sun. So we're looking for those. It stands for extrasolar planets, but exoplanets sound so much cooler. Way cooler. (laughs) So a lot of what people are trying to do right now are to understand the properties of those exoplanets, so determining the mass of the exoplanet, the radius of it, its density, so you can determine if it's made out of like stone or if it's made out of gas or something like that. And people right now are actually trying to determine what the atmospheres are like on these planets by uh, looking at something that's called their spectrum. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just something that's really cool. So to be an astronomer, you have to have that sort of intuition about physics, not just understanding the technical parts of it, the computational part, but being able to take those principles and visualize it, which is not always an easy thing to do. It requires a lot of thinking and existential crises. <laughs>
0: yeah. Tell me about it. That's yeah. it. That's one thing when you start thinking about space, uh, you're like, hmm, there's a lot of it out there. Oh, and that's, God. And
1: that's freaky. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, when you think about... It's also crazy when you think about uh, anything in space with, you know, physical properties because we have this idea, like, I mean, obviously context-wise, you're on the planet, you look out into the stars, and you have this almost, at least me, this, like, mystical view you know, of these stars and these explosions Mm -hmm. and things. But at the end of the day, you're like, okay, they're rocks. And then the fact that I never put two and two together, that so much in space revolves around physics and the understanding Mm -hmm. of all these things. That is crazy.
1: Yeah. It's what I like to call a cosmic perspective. makes you feel very small. Yes. (laughs) It gives you a lot more uh, appreciation for how insignificant things are and sometimes that's unsettling but sometimes that's also very comforting but all of that is not it's not whimsical it depends on mm-hmm. physical properties the physics that we understand on earth which is pretty cool
0: sure so what how would you describe what exactly astronomers do as far as like a day-to-day sort of thing like you is it you said right now exoplanets is like a big thing
1: yeah, so there's a few big things right now going on in astronomy. Mm-hmm. Um, exoplanets is definitely one of them. So it is mostly focused on not just identifying what where those planets are, mm-hmm. so looking at a star and seeing, oh, this has a little dip in its light curve, so that means that there is a planet there. Um, but also, like I was kind of saying before, identifying the properties mm-hmm. of those exoplanets, Um and if they're in systems that have multiple planets in there, so like our solar system has a bunch of planets going around the sun, right. um, do, do other suns or other stars also have that same uh, sort of system sort of setup like our solar system does? So it's really testing what we understand about solar systems by looking at other ones.
0: Gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that
1: makes sense. So that's so that's one big thing. Another big thing that you probably have heard of because it's so mystical sounding is dark energy. Yes. So um, what I mostly focus on astronomy education now, mm-hmm. but when I was doing astronomy research, it was focused on um, trying to understand the properties of dark energy. Which newsflash, we don't know anything about it. <laughs> it's very <laughs> it's very mysterious. Hence, it's very mysterious name. Sure. Um, so we try to understand dark energy, which is the name that we give the expansion of the universe. Mm-hmm. So the universe is expanding, the space is expanding, but that space is accelerating in its expansion, which is weird and unexpected.
0: Also terrifying.
1: <laughs> also a little scary. <laughs> so, um, so astronomers are trying to understand how that dark energy is changing over time. And then uh, from there, what that means for the fate of the universe.
0: Sure. Man.
1: So, that is so it's crazy. a big question. It's a big question.
0: <laughs> yeah. How do you even attack something like that? It's not like you can get some here and be like, Oh, Hey, I understand it now.
1: Right. Cause we don't even necessarily know what it is that's sure. driving this expansion. We're just trying to, 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 understand how it is changing the acceleration of or the expansion's acceleration and from there try to come up with ideas and then test those ideas to see if that can be an explanation for what dark energy is it's very complicated
0: (laughs) sure sure uh wow man this is gonna be the most like there's gonna be so many times i'm warning you now where i'm just gonna go huh i just have to let that sit for a second
1: Right. Sark so, energy. Oof. Yeah, man.
0: To think. Wow. Okay. So what is the difference between an astronomer and an astrophysicist? Being that there's um, so much physics involved in astronomy.
1: Um, I would say that that is it's kind of like a pedantic difference. So it's mostly okay. just astronomers versus astrophysicists who want to make the differentiation. And so I would sure. say it's probably the difference between a theorist and an observer. Um, So there's a a long battle between these two Um, and an an observer is exactly what it sounds like. So it's somebody who goes and takes observations at the super fancy telescopes like in Hawaii or in Chile Mm -hmm. um, and they make observations. And from those observations, they can make predictions and tell us a little bit something new about the universe. Um, And theorists are the ones who are on a more mathematical side. Of astronomy, so taking the tried and true uh, theorems like relativity, taking those and applying it to see if we can make those predictions before actually taking the observations. Um, uh-huh. So, really, the two go together, but oftentimes you have a person who is a theorist and a person who is an observer, uh-huh. and they work together as a team, the theorists. Develops this prediction and then the observer goes out and sees if they can find observational evidence for that prediction, which is pretty cool. It is.
0: It's a good, good uh, symbiotic relationship
1: hmm that's how it works ideally. A lot of times they're separated from each other. They're like, oh, you don't understand anything about observing. That's right. Uh, I was an observer myself, so Wait, there you I, go. I understand.
0: <laughs> you're like, I'm about the facts. And they're like, you don't that's understand. Right. That's possible. It's like, I understand the realm of possibility, but I also understand statistics, and you're right.
1: wrong. <laughs> Numbers versus what I see. That's right. What do right. I believe? <laughs> it's very tricky.
0: That's right. Man, you guys are terrifying. Oh, who's who's responsible for being like well you know the sun's expanding and one day it's not good it's not good who's
1: responsible for that i don't think i think it's physics that's responsible for that
0: that was a test you are very much about the numbers (laughs) that was the answer i expected there you go (laughs) how do you you feel about pluto
1: about it not being a planet anymore
0: and then, and then it was for a little and then it isn't and yeah what's happening
1: and it's actually something that's close to Illinois' heart because Clyde Tombaugh is the man who discovered it. Yeah. Uh, he's actually from Wheaton, Illinois, which is quite close to where I grew up. Hey. Um, and in Illinois, it's a really pedantic law, but when Pluto is in the night sky, it is technically a planet in Illinois.
0: <laughs> well, is it really?
1: <laughs> yeah, no joke. If it's visible in the night sky, Pluto is a planet in Illinois. So if you're upset about it not officially being a planet by the definition of what a planet is, sure, uh, just go to Illinois and you'll be fine. <laughs> how how was
0: it a planet for so long and then not a planet? Cause, cause yeah, because I was I was in I want to say it was my sophomore year in high school when they like officially declared it. Because I remember being in forensics class and the science teacher next to us came in. He goes, well, Pluto's not a planet anymore. We're like, (laughs) what is happening?
1: Oh my God. Yeah. So basically what happened is a bunch of astronomers get together in a group that's called the International Astronomical Union. And what they do there is they try to compile, it's almost like a style guide for astronomy. So coming to terms with definitions, making sure we're all on the same page of understanding about certain topics so that Mm -hmm. When we try to convey ideas to people that might not understand astronomy, we're conveying them in a way that's consistent and makes sense. Ah. So we finally came upon, uh, we we came to an agreement about what a planet is, and a lot of it has changed from the time when Pluto was first discovered because we know a lot more about how planets are formed now, and it's mostly... By observing extrasolar planets, understanding how our solar system formed, and so what really did it for Pluto was the discovery of planets, in quotes, beyond <laughs> Pluto's orbit that were bigger than Pluto. Oh,
0: so poor guy. we, yep,
1: yeah, so we discovered quite a few. Um, these are also dwarf planets beyond the orbit of Pluto that are bigger than Pluto. So those would also all have to be planets if Pluto was still considered a planet. Um, an additional thing is one of the one of the parts of the definition of a planet is that it has to have cleared its path around the sun. So if you look at Pluto, mm-hmm. Pluto has a couple of moons that are with it, mm-hmm. and its moons. Are very similar in size to Pluto, uh, so could you say that the orbital path is clear <laughs> sure. when there's a couple of objects of similar size also orbiting in that same path? So that's that's part of what did did Pluto in.
0: That makes sense. Just
1: just didn't work out for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was in the cool club for as long as he could, and then yeah, they he found made out. it like
1: seventy years. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it's a good chunk of time. Good chunk. Mm-hmm. Of, can you imagine like? man he was in it long he was in it long enough just to be on like everyone's solar system projects and we're like hey what are you doing here and that's basically what happened
1: (laughs) yep get out of here
0: i never knew that (laughs) (laughs) i never knew that that's what actually happened i just accepted it because people smarter than me said it uh so okay (laughs) uh so wow so what is the coolest thing you've ever seen up there
1: in the skies
0: correct I'm i'm trying to put it poetically
1: up, yeah, th- up it was there, up there, <laughs> down yonder,
0: down yonder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's a it's a hard question because there's a lot of things that are really cool to look at, mm-hmm. but you appreciate them for what they are, not necessarily for visually what you see. Sure. So um, one of the most beautiful things to look at through a telescope is Saturn. Um, It looks almost exactly like you would imagine it to. You can make out the ring system that's going around it. And on a really clear night, you can see the gap between the planet and the rings. Sure. So that's a beautiful thing to see. And you can even see that with a very basic telescope. You don't need to have like a professional grade telescope to be able to see that. Um, So Saturn is definitely one of the most beautiful objects to look at in the night sky and one of my favorite things is I've done a lot of public observing sessions so opening up telescopes for the public to be able to look at them and whenever a person sees Saturn for the first time they're always like is that a sticker like what is that (laughs) they can't believe that it's real because it looks it looks surreal really so that is definitely one of the most beautiful but probably the coolest thing I ever saw through a telescope um when I was Doing astronomy research and making observations, there was a supernova in January of 2014 that you could actually see with the. Well, you couldn't see it with the naked eye. You could see it with the telescope from Mm -hmm. from Earth, which is amazing. Yeah. So we actually were able to take a couple images on a on a telescope we had on campus and observe this supernova that was you know super far away. Um, so that was probably the coolest thing that I've ever observed. And what was so cool about it is there's a, at the U of I campus, there is a historic telescope there. That's like at this point, 121 years old or something like that. It's a super old telescope. And that's the telescope that we observed the supernova with. So it was really special.
0: Wow. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I, I, I must admit, uh, Saturn was my favorite planet growing up. You know, I don't know why I had a favorite planet, but I did. Who like, doesn't?
1: It's a great one. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Dude, there's rings on it. It's like the different one.
1: It's I, glorious.
0: That's really cool that you've seen it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I you did. could see it, too. I'm telling you, find that local Astro Society and just drop on in.
0: I'm going to have to now. I didn't know it existed, mm-hmm. but I'm glad you're here. To sh- I'm,
1: I'm sure that it
0: does. <laughs> yeah, it has to. It has to. So, wow. Okay. The, see, those are very two very good picks. Uh, Thanks. So, at what point did you know that you wanted to teach? Because that's a very specific thing to do with a passion. Yeah. It's one thing to just enjoy it on your own. It's another to want to impart that.
1: Yeah. So um, even though I was doing what sounds like really cool astronomy research, so I was... (laughs) I was observing type 1a supernovae which are just a special type of supernova that help us understand the properties of dark energy. Mm-hmm. See, it sounds really cool, right? It does. Didn't it was a little it was a little rough and I wasn't I wouldn't say I was bad at it, but it was taking me longer to be good at it mm-hmm. than some people like my advisors wanted. So um, during that time, I was also teaching, working as a teaching assistant for the department. So I was teaching astronomy to undergraduate students at the university. And from there, I just really felt like I could have this really strong connection with people about astronomy, get them excited about it. Um, And then there was there was a woman who came to give a colloquium at the university, and it was about astronomy education. Um, and so after listening to her talk, I went up and spoke with her a little bit after, and then I ended up working with her to study, um, uh, astronomy education. So what students understand about the fate of the universe, which is really closely tied to dark energy and the composition of the universe. Mm-hmm. So I worked with her to study that. Um, and that's what my master's thesis was on and things like that, um, So I was really into the teaching aspect of it. I really liked doing education research. It was really interesting to me to see and try to understand what people know about astronomy just based on what they hear in in media or what they've read online or things like that. And there's just a huge amount of misconceptions about astronomy. Which, I mean, how could there not be? It's a difficult subject to understand. And when people are presenting it inaccurately, what else are you supposed to do besides
0: be wrong about it?
1: (laughs) Hey, there you go. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But, yeah, so it was just that mixture of education, research, doing public outreach, and teaching at the university level that really got, it just solidified it to me that that's the area that i want to go in instead of focusing it's kind of more of like a solitude a solitary life sure. when you're doing observations and you have friends and things like that but your research is your own
0: sure sure and with
1: this i felt like i was sharing my research with the people that i was teaching so that was that was something that was really special so that's the direction you know, no, no paths are straight and mine was extra, extra wiggly. So <laughs> sure.
0: Those make for the better stories though. That's right. You know, I, I'm all about the story. So that's <laughs> pretty cool. So you, am am I not putting these two together? The place that you went to school and graduated from is the place that you went back to and taught?
1: It was the place that I taught while I was a student
0: Oh, so sweet. I was
1: a I was a graduate student, and so as a graduate student, they let you teach stuff. Um, oh. So part of my my deal, so I didn't have to pay tuition, Smart. was that I would teach. So I taught, and I loved it. It was great.
0: <laughs> sure. So do, when you're teaching at a college that you're currently attending, is mm-hmm. it the same level of teaching in that like, you have to make these lesson plans, and it's like this whole... As someone who knows nothing about any of this... <laughs> Sure. Uh, what what goes into teaching a college class while you are also in college?
1: Yeah, so it's a lot of work. Yeah, I'll tell you that much. Sounds <laughs> like uh, it. In a lot of cases, when you're a teaching assistant, you um, help an instructor or you help the professor grade papers and you hold office hours to answer student questions. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, you'll run a discussion section. Okay. Um, but because I had such an interest in public outreach and observing. Uh, the department wanted me to teach an introductory observing course for undergraduate students. So that required a lot more preparation because I not everybody was on the same page as each other. So I would give like a little introductory spiel, I guess you could say, right. about the topic that we were going to be covering and then from there go on to observing and doing like computer-based labs and things like that
0: okay
1: yeah so there was a lot of preparation for for that for sure Sure. and then there's grading because you're grading labs but that stuff's all kind (laughs) of boring
0: of course of course that is fascinating man so what are your thoughts on elon musk
1: elon musk well i'm not necessarily a huge fan of privatizing space travel fair Um, but I appreciate what he's doing in lieu of NASA having the proper funding to be able to, to study and travel to space as they should. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's kind of gimmicky, isn't he? I mean, he's
0: he's selling flamethrowers now. So
1: is he really?
0: Yeah. He did this thing where he wanted to like fund a rocket. So he, he had where if you, I think it was five, four or $500, and he made his own flamethrowers. Was like, if you donate to this campaign, you get a flamethrower. I was like, oh man, it sounds dangerous. It's a, it definitely, but he's like, I feel like he's the Willy Wonka of billionaires. You know what I mean? He's like, he's kind, I, I he like seems rockets. Kind of
1: whimsical. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And the whole idea that he wants to colonize Mars. Uh, yeah. How do you, how, what do you think about that?
1: I'll say good luck to you, sir. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Elon Musk, I feel like it's great to have visionaries and people who want to keep pushing us forward and keep looking for something new to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It would just be great if there was public support for that and our government showing public support for the sciences in that sort of way. I I like for science to be there for the sake of science not necessarily for a profitable reason like for example when uh they just recently launched that rocket into space that had like a mannequin on it or that something car. like that but yeah but it was it was in a tesla yes and so it's just like <laughs> okay it's, you couldn't just send it to space you had to be like all showy the about most
0: expensive it. ad ever
1: of all time. And I don't want to buy a Tesla. So you didn't succeed, sir. True. true. Um, I shouldn't be hating on him so much because I appreciate what he does. Right. But I, I just, I do find him gimmicky and a little, you know.
0: That is okay. And, You're an astronomer yeah. that's about the facts, not the theories. And, uh, you know, I support this.
1: <laughs> okay. So now we're going to have a discussion Let's about facts and <gasps> theories. Yes. And Let's why co- colloquially people say theories as things that are almost untested, not true, not
0: uh-huh. verified.
1: So in the sciences, mm-hmm. theories are things that are tested, tr-
0: true right. in quotes. Versus yeah, so- like a theory versus a hypothesis.
1: Right. Exactly. So in, when we speak colloquially, you say, oh, that's just a theory. And you're throwing away somebody's idea because you think it's unsubstantiated, unverified. Right. But in the sciences, the theory is something that has been well tested. So I will say, if anyone is, will listen to me yeah. at all, <laughs> when somebody says I have a theory about this and they are a scientist, then you should really listen to them because it's verified and substantiated.
0: Correct. A theory is and people use theory as a hypothesis when they speak about it colloquially. It's like I have uh, I, like when they say this is I have a theory about this but it's untested, therefore it's a hypothesis or am I doing this wrong? Yeah.
1: No, no, that's that's right. But basically, they just mean I have an idea
0: yeah, 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 about
1: yeah. this because it's usually not scientific when they're sure. trying to say things. They're just like, "Oh, let me let me throw this theory at you." But they just mean I have an idea, and I'm just going to spew it sure. <laughs> right now.
0: I you know what I totally understand and respect that. So, when did you get into podcasting?
1: Podcasting for me started about six years ago. So. When they first made the announcement about um, Star Wars coming out, that it was being bought by Disney that we were gonna get a new episode, I was like, I need to, I need to be on the ball with this news. I need to know everything that's happening. So yeah. I decided to join Twitter. I wasn't on Twitter until until then. So I joined and I started following like as many different Star Wars, places as I could. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I saw somebody had posted something and it happened to be far, far away radio. They posted, um, for somebody to be a writer for them. So I wrote a couple of blog posts. Um, and then I guess they liked my spunky attitude enough where they said, Hey, why don't you come be a guest on the show? um and so from there I was a guest and then they liked me enough they liked this voice they thought it could sell I guess
0: (laughs) yeah it worked it worked (laughs) it
1: worked out so yeah so I just happened to join twitter happened to write a couple blogs and here I here I am still podcasting all these years later
0: that is amazing so far far away radio was your your introduction like that was your first podcast
1: yeah, it was my first and what my only Star Wars podcast that yeah. I've been a part of. Yep,
0: right on, right on. And you have another show that I recently became aware of and thoroughly enjoy,
1: the <laughs> Yay, Avatar State. Yes, yeah, so I've loved Avatar: The Last Airbender since it came out when I was like fifteen years old. Yeah. Um, so I super loved it and I was talking with Austin Blankenship who I knew through far, far away radio, and we both loved the show. Mm-hmm. But then we discovered that a couple of our friends had never seen it before. Yeah. And I was I was shocked. I yeah. couldn't believe Unacceptable. it. It was acceptable. It was not acceptable, so I had to change that. Um so we decided that we were going to have this this podcast where Austin and I would uh, walk our two friends, Meg and Jonathan, through the entire series. And of course, there's lots of hijinks along the way, including tons of misleading and yeah. me just being super, <laughs> super evil the it, whole time. It's great. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. If Even if you haven't seen the show, just being able to watch it along with people, because that's something that made the show so special for me when I was first watching it, is that I wasn't in an online fandom or anything, but a lot of my friends at school watched the show, so we would talk about it and enjoy it together. Sure. So it's just having that that relationship, being able to share it with people when you're watching a show for the first time, even when the show is, you know, 10 years old.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have a, a, a Star Wars podcast called Brian and David Talk Star Wars, and he's <laughs> never seen The Clone Wars so we, really? we watch and review every episode of The Clone Wars. And I'm like, you what, do you, what do you think of that, huh? Krell's kind of, he's kind of crazy, isn't he?
1: Hmm. He you, seems like a good guy, doesn't he, Yeah. Krell?
0: Where do you think this is going to go?
1: <laughs> he's trustworthy. I really yeah. think it. Yeah. he's not going to die, that guy. God. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> God, it
0: made me so mad. Oh. <laughs> uh, but Avatar. Avatar is, in my opinion, possibly the greatest animated show of all time. I adore my logo for this show is actually a cabbage.
1: <laughs> you love your cabbage corp.
0: Yeah, oh my god, you have no idea. <laughs> that costume changed my life. Uh, it's so good and so much confidence you get so when you wear it. So much confidence. <laughs> I built the cart as well. I had like a straight on That's like wood cart. Yeah, I it was it was amazing. It was amazing. And now you started Cora.
1: <laughs> That's right. So we finished watching the last Airbender, um, and that took a lot of time to go through. I, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I ever shared my show notes with anybody to see, but I would write out, I would like write out my whole script of what I was going to say the whole time. So I would have like 10 pages of show notes
0: sure. to go
1: through. So working on that was a lot. It took a lot of time and we needed a little break after that. <laughs> so we took about like a four or five month break. And we kept getting emails and people were tweeting at us, when are you going to do Quora? When are you, you know, please do it. And after a while, you're like, people actually liked that enough for us to want to do it. Why don't we do it? And we had so much fun making it too, even though it was a lot of work. Sure. It was so much fun. So um, just, we released our first episode a couple weeks ago. and It's great. um, Thank you. And pretty soon we're going to be releasing our second one. So We're right on track with that, but we're doing it a little differently this time. So when we watched The Last Airbender, it was much more about uh, like a chronology of events. So we would talk about literally everything that Mm -hmm. happened. Sure. Very, very chronological. But Korra lends itself so much more to the themes of the show that if you're just watching it for the events, you're going to miss so much of it. Um, so we're focusing a lot more on themes, which one makes the show note writing a lot easier because we're just focusing on ideas as opposed to this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Sure. Um, so it's been really fun. And of course, there's plenty of hijinks and shipping and sure. all that good stuff for for everybody to enjoy in Cora as well.
0: Oh, yes. I'll be very interested to see how book two goes. Oh, God. Because <laughs> uh, things go a little Miyazaki. Uh, yeah,
1: things are going to get a- totally crazy. And I, right before we started the show, I rewatched it in about the span of two weeks. So I watched all four seasons sweet. in two weeks. And let me tell you, that's an emotional roller coaster <laughs> to oh, do yeah. that. There is a lot, a lot going on in that show. And it's like, I think I was saying to Austin not too long ago, it's like the best fanfic ever written it because it, it gets your emotions going so strongly every single time you watch it. So oh, I yeah. really appreciate what they did there for sure.
0: I, when I watch movies in real life, like I never cry unless something really bad happens, but like in movies, it's not hard for me to get mm-hmm. emotional. That's like cathartic for me. And when, when I tell people like, Oh, this movie made me cry. What I mean is like waters in my eyes. Right. It takes, okay. it takes a lot for tears to fall. Right. Right because normally mm. I could be like no 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 get back in there. Strength. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, my <laughs> Tear Ducks were removed in the war. Uh so <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh but uh the first time I ever watched something in like legit like oh no I can't stop crying was actually Avatar the Last Airbender. Mm. Which is crazy because it's an animated show and it took me by surprise.
1: It's and... not crazy. Was it Tales of Bossing say?
0: It was, yep. It was at the very <laughs> end with Iroh singing to his son. And oh, okay. you know what's crazy about that? I'd seen it once before, and it didn't make me cry. I was like, wow, that's heartbreaking. But the second Sometimes. time I watched it, it just it broke me, man. I couldn't handle it. When I realized that the song that he's singing... To the gravestone is the same song he sang to the little boy to calm it's him too down. too much. See like, now, Ugh. I can't.
1: I can't even listen to you talk about it because it makes me too emotional. I couldn't do to it. Talk about.
0: <laughs> and that it, it it broke me. That and uh, Kubo. Do you ever see Kubo in the Two Strings?
1: I haven't. No.
0: Kubo broke me. Couldn't handle oh. it. <laughs>
1: Could,
0: couldn't handle it. I am. I am man enough to admit that I couldn't stop crying. Like I was with my fiance and I was like, we got to, we got to, we got to talk about something else. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs>
1: need a moment away yeah, from this. Like a no. lot.
0: Like just talk about something else.
1: <laughs> you just got to let those feelings flow through ya sometime. yes, you sometimes, know? but yeah, Cora, and I won't say the specifics about it in case any of my friends who have not seen it
0: yes, have
1: listened, but the season finale of book one of Cora. Oh Yeah. Nope. Can't even
0: handle it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You it's want, great, You want to feel? Stuff. You want to feel? <laughs>
1: yeah. You want to feel something? You're going to feel it every that, time you think about it. <laughs> that's
0: right. Uh, speaking of things you can't probably talk about, let's be as vague as possible. Um, okay. You're, you're involved in a in a particular um, audio project mm-hmm. that is not a podcast. Okay. That, that is uh, perhaps called Convergence, perhaps not. Maybe. Um, what can you say about it?
1: I can say that that project is currently on hiatus
0: okay, right now. Fair.
1: But maybe you'll be hearing something about it in the next couple of months. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that I... Yeah. And, and that's all I can really say. But that's not me being secretive. That's just the all there is right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's fair. I had to, you know. Yes. You, you no can't, problem. Uh, you can't not. Um, but can you believe we've been talking for over an hour already?
1: Oh, my God. We're chatty little Cathy's going time, on here.
0: Time flies when you're actually having a conversation, I've learned.
1: It's so true. And I just have my two of my dogs are sleeping and we're fostering a dog and she's just staring at me in her kennel <laughs> like, how dare you leave me in here for so long? <laughs> That's
0: actually, what have you done? What are you doing up there?
1: Stop talking to nobody. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is right. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for coming on. I had a good time. I hope you did as well.
1: Yeah, I definitely did. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great.
0: Of course. Uh, where can people find you online?
1: So you can follow me on Twitter at Mallory Conlin. So original, I know. <laughs> kind and that's of, pretty yeah. much It's it. you. <laughs> it's me. That's all I can say. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the only place where I'm on social media. So there you go.
0: <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. And... Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of uh, The Interesting Podcast. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Jedi Brian. If you want to follow the show, it's at Pot of Interest on Twitter. And uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, if you wouldn't mind, go to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. That pushes us to the front of uh, the iTunes algorithm, and it helps book guests. Um, Yeah, so I really appreciate you listening. Until next time, be well.